All right, welcome back to Lindroth Hockey Podcast. We are in partnership with the Black and Gold Hockey Productions. You're here with one co-host today. My father has uh, some internet troubles at home right now, and he has some people out there trying to fix some stuff. So he's unable to come on today, but we still have a special guest with us that I'm very excited to have on personally. Uh, we've been looking at his career for a while, especially if you follow NCAA hockey in any way. So today we're excited to have with us Chris Brooks. So Chris had a, pre a brief pro playing career, reaching all the way to the AHL one point and even playing in the infamous UHL for a dozen games. But his career really began after playing had ended. Chris went on to become an assistant coach for Western Michigan University from 99 until 2008. Then afterwards, coached in the CHL for a few years. After leaving the CHL, he went on to become head coach for University of Wisconsin. In Stevens Point from 2011 to 2017. Then, later following a stint in D3 hockey, he became an assistant coach for Michigan Tech University from 2017 until 2022. And this year, has started his new journey as an assistant coach for Clarkson University. So, without further ado and enough of me talking, we'd like to introduce today Chris Brooks. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So, Chris, let's start from the beginning. And I know your playing career was cut rather short, but despite that, you had some amazing performances. So I want to start there and your decision to commit to Western Michigan University after your MWJHL days. Sure. Well, I was, uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to play my junior hockey in my hometown, which was very rare, uh, you know, growing up. Uh, I was a late bloomer. You know, my first year of junior hockey was 17 years old I was like five foot four 120 pounds and wow. and over the next couple of years I just uh, uh just continued to work love the game you know back then we, we played multiple sports so you know, it was hockey eight months of the year then it was you know play some baseball play some golf umpire some baseball games you know and uh refresh and get back at it um you know I was able to, to play for a great junior organization the infamous uh, Flanagan family ran an unbelievable organization in Stratford uh, where I was born and raised um, played with some I played with some great players who actually opened the door for for players like myself you know grow, growing up uh, my my first year of junior hockey I played with Chris Pronger and like everybody in the world was coming in to see Chris Pronger play and what ended up happening was was that as as scouts came in to see him play you know, other other players popped and uh, we played on a very successful team. Um, and there was a number of us that went on to play at a very high level. And, and you know, it was it was it was special to be able to play at home in front of a lot of family and friends. And um, and uh, it was unique. And, and you know, I, I was actually planning to go to the University of Guelph. It was late in my uh, late, late in my junior career. I, I turned uh, getting ready to turned 21 I turned 20 playing my last year of junior hockey and everything popped for me I had multiple division one offers within a two-week period and you know my decision to go to Western Michigan was was kind of unique Mike Schaefer who's actually the head coach at Cornell University recruited me uh at Western he was an assistant um and uh it just felt right for me I, I felt uh you know I felt their honesty I felt um I felt that they were genuine. I felt that I, I was going to go into a situation and have an opportunity to compete. And that's all I wanted. I just wanted an opportunity to go to school and compete for ice time. Um, and uh, went, went in there on a visit, um, felt right, and ended up probably being the best decision I ever made in my life. Did you have any other school offers or did you have any pro offers coming out of juniors? 
No, I uh, I had multiple Division One offers. Uh, you know, growing up in Stratford, one of the one of the neat things was was like I grew up watching um, Eddie Olchuk played in Stratford, and, uh, Rob Blake played in Stratford, Nelson Emerson played in Stratford. Like there was a big pipeline from from the people that ran our organization in Stratford with with uh, uh, with Denny and Joan Flanagan and, and their son Dennis. Their, their, their other son was actually an assistant at, at Bowling Green at the time. And they sort of had a little pipeline going from Stratford to Bowling Green. Um, and uh, it, it was actually part of my, my goal was to play at Bowling Green and, and Jerry York, you know, long time, uh, long time successful head coach at Boston College. Um, he was a head coach at Bowling Green at the time. And uh they recruited me to go, go there also. Um, and, and I just felt, I just felt right in my decision to go to Western Michigan. So you were at Western Michigan all four years. And then it looks like you signed your pro, first pro contract in a league, the WPHL. Yeah. Never heard of that league. What can you tell us a little bit about yeah. that and how you got there? Yeah. So what happened was uh, I came out of school and um, I actually, I actually signed, I went over to Europe I went over to play. Uh, I played right out of school. I, I signed a, a contract in Germany. Um, I went over there and I played uh, a couple months to uh, start the year. I played with a couple of really good players from RPI, Brian Richardson and Tim Regan. And Tim ended up staying over. Uh, Brian and I both ended up leaving that first year. But Tim ended up playing 20 years over there, ended up coaching. Uh, he ended up getting his, his, his German pass. Um, but I went over there and what, what ended up happening was we were playing in a league and, and our, our team could only afford three imports. And, um, you know, the teams that we were playing against had, had many more <laughs> imports than what we had. And it was sort of a fighting and losing battle. Um, I just didn't feel that it was going to be right for my development. And, and I ended up coming back. And one of our, one of our assistants at the time uh, at, uh, at uh, Western Michigan, uh, Bill Watson, he was a Hobie Baker winner at, Minnesota Duluth. He had a he had a friend named Rob Bremner that was that was uh, coaching a team in Amarillo, Texas. It was a brand new league. Um, um, so uh, Rob called me and and offered me a contract. And you know I had, I had contracts to go play in the East Coast Hockey League. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. It was a it was a unique opportunity through a contact to, that uh, from somebody that I trusted and. Uh, Went down there to play in a brand new six-team league, and uh, a lot of memories, a lot of great memories. There was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, former American Hockey League players that were at the end of their careers that had were chasing some money, and and um, uh, I had a great experience. You know, what I mean, I ended up leading the league and scoring my first year pro, and I think our team won seven games. Um, wow. But tons of ice time, and and uh, uh, I ended up signing a um, American Hockey League contract this the next year. Ended up playing, you know, the majority of my second se pro season in in uh, in Mobile in the East Coast League. Um, you know, played half that year with a, with a broken broken hand. Um, had a, had a good year and and finished the year up in the American League and entering my third season. Um, a pro I had uh, I had a couple American League offers and back in the day they had what they called a franchise player in the in the Western Professional League and what what happened was with the franchise player 
you, you could pay it to pay that player anything and it didn't count towards the salary cap. So what ended up happening was uh, Amarillo came back and offered me a contract to match an American League contract, and they named me a player assistant coach. So I was able to go back there and get some recruiting experience, and I actually signed a two-year contract there on American League money and only played one year out of the two years. Um, you know, I had a great, uh, great third year, scored almost 50 goals that year, and I uh, had like 10, 12 games left in my, in my season when my former assistant at Western Michigan, Jim Colhane called me and he said that he had gotten the head coaching job at Western Michigan. And he said, he wanted me to start thinking about maybe wanting to get into coaching. So and, yeah, you had a, it was, it seemed like it was, it was cut short too. I mean, you had mentioned you had scored almost 50 goals um, just for context for our listeners that first year, um, the WPHL, you had over 110 point season. Then you came over to the ECHL, I mean, 70-something points. And uh, so I know that before we get to the UHL question, yeah. about yeah. that, it did seem like there was a brief moment. I know you were starting to recruit, do the yeah. uh, coaching assistant. How come you kind of stopped with the pro? I mean, dude, you're on fire. Was it injuries or anything, or was yeah. it like you liked coaching better? It was my dream. You know, it was my dream to always coach. And, um you know, I, I just could never, ever see myself doing anything else. And I, if, if I hadn't, if I hadn't got offered an assistant coaching job in college at, at the time, I probably would have played, you know, 15, <laughs> it wasn't going to work. Right. I mean, so right. I probably would have kept playing. Um, but it was a unique opportunity. We, we, uh, you know, I, I took a, probably a 75% pay cut from my, my playing days to, to go coach at my alma mater at Western Michigan, which I thought was kind of special. Um, you know, my, my, my wife was from that area. Uh, we, we were, you know, our daughter, my wife was eight months, months pregnant with our daughter Briar at the time. And uh, yeah, it just felt right. Uh, you know, I, I felt that if I didn't take the job at the time, I may never get into coach, college coaching. Um, and sometimes you got to take a step back to take a step forward. So at that point, I, you know, I, I, I felt right. You know, I mean, it was a dream of mine. Um, you know, I had had a great experience three years of pro. I played in with some great players and met some great people and played in great organizations that were very, very good to me. I've met a lot of people through, you know, fan base and, um, we were just treated, treated very special. Um, but I felt it was a unique opportunity for me to get into coaching and to go back and, and work at my alma mater was something I always dreamt of. And, uh, I made that decision. So your final, at least according to least elite prospects, once you look up your final pro year was technically when you played about a dozen games in the infamous UHL <laughs> had to ask about it. Everybody's seen the documentary on Netflix. Do you have any Danbury Trasher stories or anything similar to the other teams you played? How was that league and how on earth, like, what was it like capping your career off in that, in that league? Well, the, the funny thing was, was that what, what happened was I was, uh, I was working at Western Michigan and I had, uh, it was my fourth year of, of coaching and I, I hadn't, you know, like I, I was, I was still in shape. I was active. I was, you know, I, I was in the weight room and, and, I mean, it was just a lifestyle that, I, that I, I've always had, but I hadn't skated in equipment in four years. And uh, Paul Picard 
was the general manager in Kalamazoo at the time. And uh, he had actually worked, worked in Worcester in the American Hockey League when I played in Springfield in the, in the HL. And uh, Paul, I was actually on the road recruiting. I was on the, on the road recruiting at Western Michigan. And uh, Paul called me on my cell phone. Paul's like, hey, Chris, you know how things go on? And, oh, uh, we, we, you know, we'd seen each other in the rinks um, over the years. And he goes, hey, I'm in a, I'm in a bit of a pinch. Um, we, we have some injuries here at, uh, in Kalamazoo. Um, you know, I really like our team, but, uh, we got some injuries here and he goes, would you have any interest in playing? And I'm like, Paul, like I, I said, like, I got a young family. I was actually getting my master's degree at the time. Um, and we were right in the middle of our season. You know, and, and the thing is we, we, we weren't having a great season that year. Um, so what ended up happening was I said, Paul, I said, like, uh, that's not my decision. I said, you know, I'm under contract with, with Western Michigan and, so he ended up calling on my head coach at the time and he called him and he said, Jim, you know, I'm in a pinch. Uh, you know, I called Chris. I, I, I asked him if he wanted to play and uh, Jim called me and Jim was like, Hey, Chris, you know, I think it'd be great. And I'm like, <laughs> like I, I hadn't even thought about it because the number one, I, I was, I was working, had a young family. I was going to school. Uh, I was on the road recruiting. I hadn't skated in a year and four years. And I was like, so uh, I talked to uh, my, my wife about it and I was like, you know what? I'm like, All right, well, so we'll, we'll, we'll try it. So like I, I would go on the road recruiting and I'd fly back in on a Sunday morning. We play a Sunday afternoon game. Like I would play one game, one weekend, two games the next weekend. And that was all around my, based around my availability. So like th th those games weren't consecutive. Those 11 games or whatever that, that you read on my bio, those were over a two month period. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so I was like a week on, a week off, a week on, a week off. I never practiced. So like wow. I never, yeah, I never practiced with the team because I, you know, like I said, I, I had a full-time job. I was on the road recruiting. I was, you know, but then I started, I, I started, um, you know, I'd, I'd go on the road recruiting. I'd check into my hotel. I'd get in the, I'd go to the gym. I'd get on the treadmill, you know, because I didn't want to embarrass myself at the same time. Um so I took one road, I took, I actually took a, a couple road trips that took uh, at the end of the year, our season had ended at Western Michigan and I, I went and played a game in Flint. And, and the frustrating thing was for, for me was as soon as I started to start feeling it coming back a little bit, I had to take another week off. Oh, I mean, so I could never, never really get into a groove. Um, but it was neat, you know, some guys would, a lot of guys that were playing in the league at the time would come up and they're like, what are you doing type thing or yeah, I mean, because there was a lot of guys that were still playing the United League that, you know, I had played pro against at the time when I when I played. So kind of unique opportunity. And then, you know, some of my players that I played that played for me at Western Michigan, they would come out and watch our games. And <laughs> so it was uh, it was a neat experience. Um, so that that that's that. Did you know about the league's reputation when you were going in there? Did you know what you're getting yourself into? Um, no, like uh, for, for me, like playing in the league, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I had respect. So like nobody, nobody bothered me. Everybody just sort of let, let me be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah they, they just sort of let me be, you know, guys when, when you know, teams we played against that the guys had not known who I was. And um, so I had, I had a little bit more space, um, but uh, I, I had a, it was a good experience. A lot of guys, uh, 
uh, a lot of guys I played with there uh, over the years, uh, you know, not now they have kids, you know, and now I see them in the rinks and, you know, that's the neat thing about coaching is, is I'm at a point, you know, being in the game almost 25 years now, a lot of, a uh, lot of former players or, or teammates or guys I played against now, their, their kids are of age where I'm starting to recruit them and be in the rinks with them and brings back a lot of great memories. So as mentioned in the intro, you know, you coached uh, at Drama Mater, uh, Western Michigan for quite some time. Um, so bring us, you know, through those days, but really talk about the specific things that helped prep you because, you know, your next few gigs, you became a head coach. So how did that kind of help you become a head coach and just your overall experience? Sure. So, you know, I, I got hired at, at Western and, um, you know, I, I, I was a, you know, I was 26 years old. So I come off a, a very successful college career, good, pro, you know, good, good, successful pro career. And well, one of the things I learned really early um, was like, I expected to be able to influence everybody else around me. So like as a player, I had good detail. I had really good habits. I sacrificed like a lot of things that I, I did. I, I wasn't an elite player, but everything else that the sort of the unique qualities that I had gave me an opportunity to se separate me from other players. But my skill set wasn't as high as some of the players that I played against, but some of those intangibles that I held, sort of held my hat on allowed me to be successful. And I, I expected everybody to have those intangibles. So as a, as a young coach that really, really had a real tough time with it. Right. So it's something that I had to learn really young. You know, I would, I would get in the weight room. I'd work out with the team. Team would go to the track. I'd run, you know, like, and I would, I'd be at the, the front of the line and everything that we're doing. I'm just expecting to be able to influence and pull all those guys around me. And it didn't work that way. So it, it was at a young age in, in coaching, I learned, I learned to respect and understand differences, awesome. um, which, which, uh, which was a, a valuable a lesson for me really, really early in my coaching career. Um, you know, I, I had an opportunity to, to work with some really good coaches also, you know, um, I worked with Jim Colhane. He allowed me a lot of responsibility. Um, he trusted me, you know, he became a great friend, you know, uh, him and his wife were godparents to our children. I'm um, just, just a great person that, that allowed me to grow and at times, you know, fail and learn from my mistakes. You know, I worked with a lot of really good assistants who, who taught me a lot of, you know, I worked with Scott Garrow, who was a longtime uh, assistant at Cornell. He worked with Mike Schaefer and, and, you know, I worked with a, a former teammate of mine, Brennan Kenny and, and Mark Fackler at Western Michigan. You know, I also learned a lot as a player, like some of the coaches that I played for, I was very fortunate because they all had their unique, unique qualities that, you know, that I, that I learned from, you know, I look at, I, I worked with a long time successful head coach. I, I played for a long time successful head coach at Western Michigan, Bill Wilkinson, you know, and then I, Mike Schaefer has been, you know, he's won 550 games at Cornell. Yeah. And, and th those guys had unique qualities that, that made me a better player, made me a better person. And, and now that, that I carry on as a coach and, and they all had their strengths and weaknesses that, that I sort of drew from. You know, as a pro, I, I, I played for, you know, I played for Rob Bremner. I played for a long time, successful coach, Matt Shaw. I, I actually played 
you know, in Houston a little bit for Dave Tippett. You know, Dave Farish was a longtime NHL coach that was in Springfield. You know, just some some very successful guys that all had their own qualities that I was able to sort of draw from. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and we were able to recruit a lot of really good players when I when I when I coached at Western Michigan, a lot of guys went on, you know, have successful NHL careers. And, you know, I, I remember, I remember vividly, you know, as a young coach, I had no experience recruiting. So, you know, recruiting sort of the lifeline of, of college hockey. And it's evolved a lot since I first got in almost 25 years ago. But um, I remember I, I, I went out to a league I don't know what inspired me to go out to this league, but I went out to this league and it was, it was a low level junior league and it was called the America West hockey league at the time. And I'm not sure whether you've seen the video of the, the cowboy Zamboni driver that stands up atop and swings down, slides oh, down yeah. the ice. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was there. I was at that rink in, in, in Bozeman, Montana. That's awesome. And uh, there was two schools there at the time. There was only two schools in, uh, in, in Bozeman for this preseason tournament. And it was, uh, it was me, I was working at Western Michigan. It was Dave Shyak at the time. He's a longtime college assistant who's now at St. Cloud, but at the time he was working at Northern Michigan. And uh, it was my very first recruiting trip. And uh, I went out there and um, I saw this kid play and he, he was playing for Great Falls, Montana. And he was dynamite, like he was dominant young player. 17 years old, I came, came back and, and met with our head coach. I said, listen, I said, I saw this kid play out there. And I said, he's a star. He goes, this, you know, slow, slow down. And he goes, you know, I said, you got to, got to get out there next weekend. You got to get out and see him play. I said, I got him committed to come in on a visit. And uh, so G Jim flew out the next weekend, went out and met with the kid. And I was up in Toronto recruiting the following weekend. And Jim called me and uh, I was so nervous when he called. Cause I was like, well, you know, is he going to like him? Is he not going to like him? You know, is, is this going to be at the start of my coaching career, the end of my coaching career? Cause you know, I, I love the kids player. I ended up being Pat Dwyer who ended up playing in the NHL for 10, 12 years. Yeah. And Jim, Jim called me and he said, Chris, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, the kid's a star. He goes, you're, you're on your own from here on out. And <laughs> from there I had, I had full, uh, I had full authority to make decisions when I saw kids, I could offer them scholarships. I could, you know I mean, and just for him to empower me like that, I made a ton of mistakes, you know, don't get me wrong. You, you, everybody makes mistakes. Um, you know, but uh, I learned from a lot of those mistakes that, that I made uh, through the recruiting process, through, you know, through game preparation, through, um, you know, Jim taught me a lot about people skills. He had very good people skills, which, um, helped me um and i had a great experience great great growth experience at western michigan for the 10 years i was there now without it sounding like too much of a generic question um what is the hardest part about recruiting in all of your years is it i can imagine maybe talking with the parents are you now dealing with agents or did you at whatever school or level you were at or is it the promises you have to make them? Because now we're seeing kids, or I know this has happened before, but they're getting drafted so young or not yeah. drafted, but promised at 14, yeah. 15. So what is truly the toughest part? I mean, I know dealing well, with the parents and agents can't be easy. Well, it's evolved a lot. Like re recruiting has uh, evolved a lot. Like back back when I worked at, at Western Michigan, so 
you know, I, I've been fortunate because I, I've worked at, at so many different levels and the recruiting is different at each level that I've coached at. Um, so, you know, you start off at Western Michigan when I started back there in 99. I worked there for 10 years. You know, we, we used to deal directly through coaches. We used to deal directly through uh, players, their, their parents. So a lot of it at that time was a lot uh, relationship-based and, and building that trust with with relationships through coaches, building a network, a recruiting network, you know, spending a lot of time on the phone, you know, because back then internet was just starting to evolve. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, so we would spend a lot of time, uh, you know, going into houses, uh, do, doing in-house visits, spending a lot of time uh, nurturing that, that, those relationships with coaches and families. Um, and then when I got into pro, it's a totally different animal because everything's done through agents. So, right. you know, I, I coached minor pro, we were an independent, we didn't have an affiliation. So now everything's, everything's through agents. So now you have to build that network again, um, which was very beneficial for me in, in where I am now. Um, but I go through the three years of pro and everything is done directly through agents. So agents send you names, you, you express your interest, you work with, you know, then you call the players, you try to recruit the players, but not, at that point you're recruiting at pro, the pro level, you're, you're recruiting both the players and the agents. So it's a, a lot of relationship based and a lot of those kids at the level that I coached at, they're looking for um, opportunity to, to, to move up. Right. So, so it, it wasn't, a, it wasn't fully about the level that they were playing at, but it was more about the opportunity that they were, that they were going to be able to have and the, 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 the sort of the, the, the role that, that they were going to play to hopefully allow them to climb the ladder. So um, you had just, oh, yeah, go ahead. sorry. I was, I was just saying, what, what was the toughest transition with the coaching going from NCAA to pro? Cause you had been there for so long yeah. you played pro. So, you know, the difference, yeah. but that had to be difficult. And were you also the GM? How, yeah. How, how do you see yeah. 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 So I was, a, I was the hockey GM. We had a business GM that, that handled the business side of, of the, of the hockey, you know, but I handled all the housing. I handled all the travel. I, um, you know, so I, there was multiple roles, but the experience that I got was phenomenal. Um, you know, you don't go on the road recruiting, spend a lot of time on your phone. Yeah. You know, it was, it's very, it's very time consuming. Um, but, but I wanted to be a head coach. You know what I mean, and I'd been in college coaching for 10 years. Um, um, and I, I felt that in order to be a head coach, I needed to get I needed to get some head coaching experience. So the experience that I had going to pro was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was an awesome, awesome experience for me. Um, you know, because you had so much responsibility. Um, you know, uh, I, I, like I, I learned a ton through succeeding. I probably learn more through failure um you know and you, you it's a it's a different experience than, than coaching college so so the, the the experience that I had there was uh, was was very very good um it, it's hard it was hard too um and I, I actually when I left Western Michigan I signed a I signed a, a three-year contract uh, with the pro team. And then they they came to me after the second year and offered me a one-year extension. So I actually had, I actually had a four-year contract in pro and I only coached three. Okay. Um, 
after the third year, I, I was actually going to, uh, I was burnt out to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, it, 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 uh, it, it's, it was a lot of work. Um, I knew that, uh, I knew that I wanted to get back into college at some point. We had a, you know, we, we, we were a minority living down South. Right. So we were, we were, the, the team was located right down in on, uh, the, the, the border of Mexico down in, uh, McAllen, Texas. And our kids, uh, our kids, it was an unbelievable experience for our kids. Cause they were, you know, they were 13 and 10. Yeah. Um, but, but we also didn't want, we also wanted to raise them up, up in the Midwest through, through those, you know, through those teenage years. Right. The other thing was, was that th th both of our kids played hockey also, and there wasn't a whole lot of hockey for them down there. Right. So I wanted to go in there. I, my, my goal was to go in there, spend three or four years there, get experience and then get, get into a different situation where it was more family oriented because in pro hockey, like it's, it's, it's 24 seven. So I didn't have much of a family life at the time, but it was a sacrifice that we were willing to make as a family to allow me to get that experience. Um, so after year three there, we had a, we, we had three good years, um, met a lot of great people. And I, one night I, I, uh, I told my wife that I was done and I was going to just go, go work and do something else. Cause I, I, it just, the game just wasn't, the game wasn't a game anymore. It was a, it became a business. Right. Um, and e even though I, I got really good experience out of it, it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't what, what hockey was supposed to be for me. Was it so, because you're focusing on logistics and stuff too much? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, there was yeah, there wasn't a whole lot. Like at pro, you know, you got travel, you got recovery, you're playing so many games. They did, the, the, the neat thing for me in, in, in coaching is, is preparing and, and helping players develop and seeing the benefits of that. Right. Um, and in pro hockey, there's not a, there's not a lot of that. There's not a lot of retention. Like what, what would happen was like in the three years I was there, I think we had three or four players that, that stayed with me for three or four years. And it's constant change. Right. And like the one year, I think we went through like 59 players on a roster the one year. So that side of it, it wasn't a whole lot of relationship based, um, which I had, a, I had a tough time with. Um, and, and the guys that stuck with me for three years, like I, I still talk to them. They're still good, good, good people and good friends of mine, but just a lot of turnover that it, it's hard to build the relationships with it. Um, and it was, it was hard to compete because a lot of the other teams that we competed against um, were, were more committed to winning, had affiliations to different things than what we could do. Right. So I, I was, I was going to just, just regroup and find a job. Now, you said job is in any other job because the next one you got was right with University of Wisconsin. Yeah. Point, right? So how did that yeah. Yeah. So what happened was uh, I, I had a, a friend of mine that's a, it's a college coach and uh, it, we, we talk all the time and he, he knew what I was sort of going through in pro hockey. And he knew that I was thinking on moving on and doing something else. And he called me today that there's a division three job open. Have you thought about it? And I'm like, well, I, I didn't even know what division three was. 
Right. Just to be honest, I had no clue. I, I played college hockey at Western Michigan. I, I didn't even, I had no idea how it worked. And he's like, well, maybe I can get your foot in the door. And I'm like, oh, okay. So they, they the school called me. They talked to me and I was like, uh, sure, I'll fly in for an interview. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they flew me in on an interview. I, I drove up to San Antonio. I flew in on a Thursday. And uh, I was there for 24 hours. Uh, they, they did a great, uh, you know, met with the hiring committee, met with the athletic director, met, uh, I did a, a public forum with like 250 people. And I had no, I had no idea on the history of, of what I was getting myself into, but the, the, the program at Stevens Point back in the, the, the 80s was a powerhouse. And, and I didn't know that. And um, they'd gone through some down years and um, a couple of cu- couple other coaches and they, they were looking to make a change. The, the, the coach that was there had moved on and got an NHL scouting job. And I, I went in and interviewed and two days later, they called me and offered me the job. Wow. So after your time there, then you end up at Michigan Tech, which was your yeah. most recent job. Yeah. So what, what led you to do that? And and question two is, I think you went back to being an assistant coach. Yeah. Was it a tough transition being the head yeah. of everything going to assistant? No, not really. You know, I, when I, when I got to Stevens point, you know, we, we, we had great success. Right. Um, you know, we played in, played in three national championships and, and won a national championship in 2016. The experience that I got there, you know, I, through, through that time frame, I had, I had interviewed for a lot of, lot of, uh, head coaching jobs, division one head coaching jobs. Um, I probably interviewed for five or six and a lot of the feedback that I was getting at that time in those jobs when they, and I was finalist for three or four of those jobs. Um, but some of the feedback that I was getting from the athletic directors or the search committees was that they wanted somebody with some current division one experience so that you understood the landscape of recruiting and knew the players and everything. And, you know, I, I still had the network, you know what I mean? That the, the network that I had had is, was still there. Um, so, so that, that wasn't concerning to me, but obviously it was concerning to them, you know, but, but what was unique to me was that I had gone, I had now gotten a head coaching experience. I had success and I still couldn't get those, those head coaching jobs at division one level. So uh, Joe, Joe Sean, uh, I talked to Joe Sean at Michigan Tech. Um, and I knew that Joe had uh, had great success at the junior level. I knew that he was, uh, I'd known him for, as an assistant, he had, you know, he'd worked uh, at some very successful teams and he called me and um, offered me the job at Michigan Tech. And, uh, you know, I, I took it. I, the thing was that, was that I had a great experience at, at Stevens Point. But at the, at the same point, I couldn't see myself coaching at that level for the rest of my life. Right. You know, I wanted to go in. I wanted to have success. I wanted to gain experience. And then I wanted to use that experience to now move on. And, um, you know, going to Michigan Tech was an unbelievable experience for me, too. You know, Joe was a excellent coach we, we we played in a couple national tournaments in my time there we had you know probably would have played in the third year uh COVID year um so we had great success there I learned a ton um 
and it was a great experience. Coached some very, very good players on some very good teams. And um, um, again, another another stop in my in my career that I feel made me made me a lot better than what I was when I first went there. Well, it's like the story of your career too. You stay at each program, whether it was pro or or university level, and have really helped them build. And you you left that journey this past summer. Now you started your new one, Clarkson University, as an assistant or associate head coach. Uh, so talk to us about that, what position it is, and and how this season's going. Yeah, so um, you know I've known Kay- Casey Jones, the head coach here at Clarkson. I've known Casey for a long time. He actually recruited me back in '92 when he was an assistant at Cornell. Um, long time assistant, successful assistant, did a great job building a program at Ohio State and worked at uh, Clarkson as an assistant. Um, he's been head coach here for 12 years. Um, you know, uh, built, built this program into a, you know, a top tif- top 15 program, uh, year in, year out. Um, and, and for me, uh, when, when we spoke about the position here, you know, one of the things that, one of the big things that, 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 that led me here was, was Casey's success in not only in winning and, and building a good program and, and um, having success, but he's also been able to move a lot of coaches on. So, he, you know, Josh Howgy is a, a former assistant that's now a head coach at Union College. Brent Brecky, a former teammate of mine, worked for Casey here at Clarkson. He's now the head coach at St. Lawrence. So I looked at it where, where I could come and gain some experience. And my, my dream is to be a head coach and have my own program someday. And with Casey's track record uh, doing that, um, I, I felt that it was a little bit of the best of both worlds. The other thing that was really appealing to me was was their, sort of their network of, of recruiting is, is heavily Ontario-based. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up in Ontario. I had a lot of success when I worked at Western Michigan back in the late nineties to early two thousands in recruiting a lot of top end talent from Ontario. So to be able to get back in there and, and sort of a be in our backyard and, you know, we're only four and a half hours from Toronto. So we have a network of, of some really good players that we can dive into in that area. Um, so that, that was another thing that really appealed to me to come to Clarkson. Um, and I've had a, it's been an unbelievable experience, great transition for me and, I'm really excited about the present and the future of, of the program here. Well, I know that you're a busy man, so I just want to wrap up here with just a few of our lightning round questions before we finish. Basically, it's going to be quick popcorn questions to you. It's going to relate back to your playing days, though. So to put on the thinking cap, this will hopefully be fun for you. This could either be a single answer or a story. The floor is yours. Who was the toughest goalie to score against in your career? Hmm. Well... You know, played against so many good players. Um, hmm. You know, I, I remember a, a really good goaltender that played up at Lake Superior State when I, when I played at Western Michigan. Blaine Locker was an excellent goaltender. Um, you know, I remember he, he was he was really good. Um, you know, when I played in the Western Pro League, we had a lot of ex NHL guys play in that league. John Blue, Matt Del Judas. Um, the, the league was full of ex-NHL goaltenders, but Blaine Locker was, you know, Lake, Lake Superior State was a powerhouse back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And, 
you know, he ended up having a real good pro career and he was one of those names that I always thought of. Was there a rat in your career? Anybody that antagonized you on the ice or was there anybody that had your number? Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, so kind of unique, unique uh, story, but my first year pro there, I, I told you that we, the year I played Amaro, the for inaugural year of the Western Professional League, what, what people don't understand about that year was, was we didn't play a balanced schedule. So a lot of the decisions were based strictly on travel distance. So for us to get from Amarillo, Texas to Albuquerque, New Mexico, it was only four hours. So we, we, we ended up playing them almost 30 times that year. And they were, they were loaded with former American Hockey League players, but they, they had a little, they had a little, uh, little guy, um, Boucher was his name. Um, and uh, when, whenever I played at New Mexico, he, he shadowed me and um, yeah, he got me good. He was a hard player to play against. He could really skate. So um you know, he was just one of those rats that antagonized me. There was a there was another player in uh, in Central Texas in the Western Pro League named Peter Zerba, um, longtime rat, and um, you know those guys had a lot of respect for what they did. You know, they were undersized players that played a big man's game and um, made it difficult. Which arena? And I guess you can go back to juniors, college days as well. Which arena had the worst ice conditions? Well, some of the uh, some of those old rinks that we played in in the Western Pro League back in the day, they were all um, they were all rodeo barns that were converted. So, so what ended up happening was we we would play a schedule where traditionally we were a week on, and then we would be at home for a week. We'd be gone for a week and home for a week. But some of those uh, some of those facilities would would have to. Um, would have to accommodate uh, rodeos, so they would con- they would convert them from arenas to rodeos for a month period. And, and the thing is that those those people had zero experience with with ice. Yeah, you know I mean, because you're yeah you're you're in a you're in a brand you're in a brand new hockey town. But you know some of the some of the ice conditions I remember I remember some of the stuff that we dealt with and in um central texas in the western pro league we, there was a team in waco at the time where the ice conditions weren't great um I, I remember down when i coached down in rio grand valley one of the things that we dealt with all the time is they stored the they stored the glass during the summer out in a out in a portable out in the parking lot and what they what they missed was that the the temperatures down there would get to 125 130 degrees outside Right. Let alone so that, that that glass would expand and contract all winter, all summer. And then we put it in and that, that we go through glass like crazy down there. They just didn't know. Yeah, they just didn't know. So just the, just the experiences in, in those minority areas where hockey wasn't traditional, like they would fly. They'd have to fly people in to teach them how to how to how to make ice. They bring in companies to teach them how to make ice just because no, they didn't have any experience in it. What was the most embarrassing thing to happen to you during a game or warm up? Hmm. 
during a game. Well, not not personally to me, but th- this is one of the funniest things that's this happened. We had a we, we had an assistant coach um, when when I when I played pro. It was my third year pro. We had an assistant coach, and uh, we we had the flu go through our team. And in order to play, we had to you had to play with a minimum of thirteen players. So we we only had we only had a minimum. So what we did was we signed our assistant coach to a, a contract. And um, he, he, he ended up playing. So what, what I did was um, I asked our head coach if we, if we could have him in the starting lineup because we thought it was comical that he was even playing. So what, it, what he did was he put him in the starting lineup. He was on the ice for, uh, for the national anthem. The national anthem ends and he comes over. And I knew that, that he had a, I knew he had a ritual of, of like spraying water on his face before games. He had always talked about it. So I expected him to do this in this. He only played one, one game with us. The National Anthem ends. He comes over and I had had our athletic, I had had our equipment guy fill up a water bottle with a Powerade. So he comes over and I reach down and I hand him the water bottle. Well, he doesn't know it, but I had the lid, uh, I had the lid loosened. And he goes like this and he goes to spray his face and all the Gatorade comes all down his face, all down the front of his jersey. Oh, so it was uh, it was kind of funny. Wow. So I don't mean for this uh, last question to be too broad and generic, but what was, what's the first thing that pops in your mind when I say favorite moment in your career so far, whether it be playing or coaching, just one that sticks out to you? Well, the... The one that sticks out to me is winning the national championship at the University of Wisconsin Stevens Point in 2016. Um, it uh, you know when, when you win a championship, it's uh, it's something that they can never take away from you, and it sort of validates every decision that you make up until that point. Yeah. Um, you know, we we lost we we lost the national in the national championship game in 2014. We lost the national championship game in 2015. And when you lose those games, you, you, you don't know if you're ever getting back there. Right. And I, I just sort of trusted the, I just sort of trusted it. I trusted that those experiences were happening for a bigger purpose. And then we, we won in, uh, we won in Lake Placid, which was kind of cool too. Awesome. So yeah, we won the national championship in Lake Placid in New York. Um, and that, that experience when you finally win, it validated my decision to leave Western Michigan and go coach pro. Right. It, it validated my decision to follow my gut and leave pro and get back into college. Um, and, and then when I went to Michigan Tech, you know, a lot of my decisions to go to Michigan Tech were validated when we won a league championship, when players signed NHL contracts, when... Like uh, there, there's so many unique experiences that I'm I, I've been able to have in my life that has that that have validated decisions that I made. Um, you know, you when you play in the NCAA tournaments, you see guys sign NHL deals, you see guys graduate, you see guys go on to be doctors, guys have families. I mean, and when 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 you see that happen, it validates decisions that you make. Um, so I feel very fortunate to be able to do what I do and, and people look at it as, as, you know, you make a lot of sacrifices, but at the same point, 
a lot of a lot of the experiences I've been able to have in coaching are, are you know, I've met a lot of lifelong friends and a lot of lessons that have made, made me a better person. Well, Chris, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on today. I know you're a busy man. Again, I apologize. My father wasn't here. We'll have to have you on uh, maybe in the next year or so. We'll catch yeah, up with your good. career and have you on. But again, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you have a good one, Chris. Thank you. All right, take care. All right. And I believe we're still on, still live. Um, again, big thanks to uh, Chris Brooks for coming on the show. You guys heard his story and his career, um, very long career, excellent so far, especially in his coaching. Um, very knowledgeable guy. And you can tell he's had a lot of experiences. Um, so again, thank you, Chris, for coming on the show. It was wonderful. Um, you guys will be excited. We've got a lot of guests coming up soon. We're going to keep on our um, typical every Friday schedule unless otherwise noted. Um, we are going to have on our good friend and former NHLer Dave Capuano to come on the show soon. We'll do a uh, double episode week. I don't know if we're going to do it this week yet or next. Um, we'll have to take a look at the schedule because we are recording this on Sunday, January 29th. We don't always record on Fridays. Usually it's a couple of days before, sometimes a day of. Um, but this will be posted. Um, what is that? On the 3rd will be this Friday. Uh, Sheffield fans, if if any of you are still listening um, at this point in the interview, you guys will be excited because uh, the week after, I don't know the date on the top of my head, the 10th or 11th, that next Friday, we will have uh, Brandon McNally on. Um, granted, nothing happens in between to cancel it, but a um, little background information, we are supposed to uh, interview him this upcoming Friday, the 3rd, and then uh, because Chris's episode will be now on this Friday that you guys are listening to it, it'll be that next one. So basically stay tuned. Um, we hope you enjoyed today's episode, and um, you will have the Lindroth boys back in action again uh, next week. But officially, thank you so much for tuning in today.